as a creative, every time my dad said, hey, you should study business, I was always really resistant. I was like, no way, dad, I'm a creative, you don't know me. And I would bet that the way in which my community will benefit and elevate is by onboarding structure and processes from mm. your community and the way that your community will, will elevate to their next level in the next chapter is by destigmatizing what it means to think creatively as a problem-solving tool. One of the things that's broken my heart over the years is I get these amazing people, e.g. like similar to you, I know them as the creative, they're not making money uh, in a sustainable way. They get so bogged down and so caught up being a technician, they, they, they don't elevate themselves into manager, leader, and entrepreneur. They're getting their heart broken and they're losing the romance for their business. Let's get you doing more of what you love. What are the three biggest learnings that people in business can have from a creative mindset? And yep. what are the three biggest learnings that creatives can have from a business mindset? Yep. And I think that's the best way to give value to our, to our communities simultaneously. You and I, we could probably change the world in this podcast. Hi, and welcome to The Dan Brophy Show, a podcast that's all about how to cultivate, harness, and tap your creativity for the purpose of bringing more of who you are to what you do. If you'd like to work with me as a creative coach, consultant, or with my strategic content studio, Brophy, head to danbrophy.com. What are the three most essential business tools that every creative needs to know? And what are the three most essential practices that people in business can take from creative process? My guest this week is Andrew Morello. And if you're a creative person who struggles to connect the dots when it comes to business, or you're someone in a business line who struggles with an outlet for their creativity, you're gonna get a lot out of this chat. One of the biggest problems that commercial creatives have is not being able to compete at the same level in business as those who've chosen a more traditional business-specific career path. Conversely, one of the biggest problems that friends of mine who exist solely in the business space have is a process around their creativity when it comes to cultivating problem-solving skills, ideation, or even leaning into creative practice as a well-being and self-care tool. That was the inspiration behind this week's chat. Andrew Morello is the head of business development at The Entourage, which is a business coaching, training, and community for business owners everywhere. Morello and I go way back to the early 2000s, and shortly after we stopped bumping into each other every week, at the iconic Melbourne night spot Revolver, uh, we, he actually won the first season of The Apprentice. And he spent the following 10 years under the tutelage of Mark Burris of Yellow Brick Road Home Loans fame. And he's now leading entrepreneurial business platform, The Entourage, to grand heights alongside the founder, Jack DeLosa. And I actually asked Morello what he believes are the three most important things that creatives should know about business. And conversely, I asked him to put the same questions back to me so that we could share ideas that people in business could benefit from learning around creativity as a transformation tool, no matter what industry you're a part of. So for the purpose of bringing more of who you are to what you do, as someone in business, I recommend cultivating skills around creativity that you can use as tools for transformation and what I like to call creative EQ. And undoubtedly, as a creative that is looking to be able to bolster what they do in a commercial sense, you should be looking to the tools and processes of the business world to allow you to do what you love, but better. No matter where you sit on the spectrum, I know you will enjoy my chat this week with Andrew Morello from The Entourage. 
than you and I, we could probably change the world in this podcast. This could actually be the beginning of, uh, of some sort of epic late night creative business chat show. That, I, I agree. That, it should that be like starts here. Late nights with Dan and Morello and a bottle of wine. <laughs> That's there we go. I mean, we're no, we're no stranger to late nights with Dan and Morello because we actually know each other. Well, let's, let's give some background for the uninitiated okay. because there'll be people who, who know you who never heard of me before and vice versa. Oh, so who tell uh, who is Morello and what is the entourage for the yeah, uninitiated? Yes, yes. So we'll start with the serious stuff first. We'll give it the, the proper interest. So, guys, I'm Andrew Morello, winner of the first Australian Apprentice and Head of Business Development at the Entourage Business Education. Dan is one of our amazing members that we're very, very excited to have him as part of our community. But, um, but first and foremost, Dan was um, my amazing friend. Back in the day, when we grew up in Melbourne, we used to stalk the streets of Windsor End, Chapel Street, and uh, and he was he was my my idol back in the day. So I'm very very lucky now that I feel like that, you know I get to spend more time with him. But this all came about ironically. I was going down an escalator at Westfield Bondo Junction. You're going up an escalator, or vice versa. And I'm like, Dan, like Morello, look, how you been, bro? And it's like we're going to catch up. And then within a week. You ended up coming along to one of our events, the Entourage, where we help sort of six-figure businesses go to seven-figure, seven-figure businesses go to eight figures and beyond. Uh, we had this amazing summit that went for two days, Dan attended, um, and yeah, it was absolutely amazing, and, and we're so glad to, to have you as a part of our community, Dan, and, and vice versa. Give us a little bit of background, obviously, you know, for a lot of people that might be watching this that have seen me on different things, obviously, this will go across all the socials and so forth, but give us a bit of background about your professional career, personal career, and what would your best fondest Morello memory from back in the day in Chapel Street. Okay, well, let's just cut straight to the juicy bit. So my best fondest Morello memory back when you had like flowing, you know, uh, like demigod locks yes. and just sort of seeing you seeing you holding court at Revolver and for the uninitiated <laughs> for Revolver, it was it's Melbourne's Melbourne's favourite Friday to Monday we don't close venue, True. which True. if I had to explain it to someone about what Revolver is, it's if, if, if they surveyed every club in Melbourne at 5am and chose the 20 party animals still going and put them on a bus and took them to the one venue and let them party all afternoon Sunday, uh, that's what Revolver is. That's basically. Revolver. There we go. So, you know what? It was a playground for midgets, for good-looking people, for not so good-looking people, for popular, unpopular, for footballers. Everyone was equal. But, it was, well, I would argue yeah. it was Australia's answer to Studio 54. It, it, doof heads, techno kids, disco babes, goths, like anyone that was just still ready to go, ready to party on Sunday morning, that's where they'd go. That's so, of course, went. you and I are uh, never not ready to party. Well, were, were you were the king. I think I was. You were the king. I was definitely the prince, I reckon. So, there we go. And, and talk about, you know, talk about heroes in your social network. It's so beautiful to have reconnected with you when we did only a few months ago after 20 yeah. years of, 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 not having seen each other, yeah, and and I said, okay, cool. Well, I I, I really want to see what you're up to. I've, I I have heard that you've been doing great things since The Apprentice. Great. I came along to one of the Entourage two day summits that was, and and, and look, I also I think I told you this at the time. As a creative who was a dyed in the wool creative from the time they were in mm. primary school. Every time my dad said, hey, you should study business, I was always really resistant. I was like, no way, dad. I'm a creative. You don't know me. Get out of my face. And I think over, over the time throughout university and coming up in a, in a creative space trying to have my own business, I just was a little bit behind the eight ball because I was always 
uh, I didn't ever truly embrace what I didn't know in mm. terms of filling in the gaps of my understanding. So when I came along to see you speak at one of the, the entourage events, and it was so anchored to the human at the, at the center of the business. And, mm. the, and there was so much around personal development, which is really my language. And so when they started bolting on all these really crucial awarenesses of how to be dynamic in the business space to do what you love better, I was thinking yeah. this is this is what's been missing from my my operation for so long. So it's, I've, it's, I've, it's beautifully and eloquently put, I think. So I appreciate yeah. that. It's in, 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 I'm glad it resonated with you and I'm glad it got, got you uh, one to, to reconnect and also, you know, what we hope is going to get continued growth. And, and we're going to talk about some of these things today, but hopefully off the back of the ongoing sustainability. I think that's really yeah. important. It's like you Absolutely. When I found out that I didn't have to compromise you know, my Christianity, compromise my creativity in order to to learn these things, as a matter of fact, it was going to make me more empowered as a creative force in something with something that I believe in so much and care so much about. Mm. I felt like it was it's going to really give me the set me up for the next chapter of, of the work I really want to be making. So I'm delighted to be working with you guys now. It's great. And, but, and, but I, and, and do maybe just as well touch on some of the work you are doing. Oh, for. exactly. Okay. Yes, yes, so, yeah. Uh, so, so my background is I, I have a, a content uh, creation business. We do st strategic content. Once upon a time, I was just a, a filmmaker, videographer, and I entered the content creation space when my first few films were being shot on film because there was no digital at the time that I started to to enter the space of, of making work. You, you just showed school. your age then, then. I know, right? Well, I mean, we, we're talking about parting 20 years ago. In, in the, in the mid-2000s when I finished uh, film school, uh, video wasn't even, video capabilities were so lousy. So I was shooting fashion films on film and they were being hosted on like QuickTime links on websites. It was really archaic. But over the following 15 years, I built a company that's allowed me to work with amazing talent, you know, huge brands like Lisa Wilkinson, Elle McPherson, Jennifer Hawkins, Megan Gale, mm. Jordan Barrett, and brands that I just really ad admire and, and love like ANZ, Nestle, Schweppes, NAB, Sea Folly, you know, all um, Calibara, the beautiful Australian labels that I and brands that I have a chance to make great work for and, and do what I do best, which is strategic but beautiful content and hopefully tell stories in a way that that converts for businesses. Yeah, so along the way, I've I found a way to to really anchor what I love about storytelling and then use creative strategy as a way to, to devise sort of uh, plays for businesses in that way. But I know that what I uh, what I really shine in is is the now I use my creativity for the building of the machinery around the strategy so that everything doesn't just look good, but actually converts. And, uh, and so, yeah, but what I'm looking to, um, to, well, when we talked about getting together for this chat, yeah. I thought, you know, a big part of what I do now is I'm bringing creativity as a driver into businesses, into corporate yeah. spaces so that everyone else can really understand the value of thinking creatively and not just thinking that, that, uh, Creativity is just artistic expression, but creativity is a problem-solving tool yeah. and 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 a, and a real driver for transformation. Well, I think, thought, I think psychologically, and maybe you you know the you know the science behind it, but psychologically, you know, opening up that side of the brain to some respects, uh, you know, opens up a whole myriad of of different opportunities. So if you're focusing on business all day, every day, and you're counting numbers and bank counting or whatever it is, but that having that creative element opens up a whole other you know, space of that brain that you're probably not using. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I and we'll get into it when we start talking about the, the, the learnings for these two very distinctive communities. But I think yep. one of the biggest values to us talking today is you, you come from and you speak to a community of people who uh, are are really already convinced of, of the value of traditional entrepreneurial interests and very traditional yep. business structures and processes. I come from a community that has sometimes been a little bit ignoring of traditional business structures and processes in favor of artistic expression and creativity. And I know, and I, and I would bet that, that the way in which my community will benefit and elevate is by onboarding structure and processes from mm. your community and the way that your community will, will elevate to the next to the to, to their next level in the next chapter is by embracing and onboarding some of the 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 the, the processes and even destigmatizing what it means to think creatively as a problem solving tool and yep. even as a as a as a generator for, for greater human connection within their organizations mm. so yeah, uh, so I, so when we talked about talking uh, chatting on a podcast scenario I, I, I suggested to you why don't we just distill what are, what are the three biggest learnings that people in business can have from a creative mindset and yep. what are the three biggest learnings that creatives can have from a business mindset yep. and i think that's the best way to give value to our to our communities simultaneously yep. um, but but you know let, let's start with you because you know you've been you've you've come up through the you won the apprentice you went straight into working with mark burris on yellow brick road you're now working with Jack DeLosa, who we love at the Entourage, who's uh, iconic powerhouse businessman. And I've along been, the I've way, been spoiled, I've been pretty spoiled, Dan, haven't I? And, I? and 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 along the way, you've you have. I mean, you're no, you're no, you're you're definitely a highly creative business mind, anyway. So it's not like I'm yeah. uh, I'm to be telling you anything new, but I know that that when it comes to to how people traditionally look at what they do in business, there's there's lots of potential for for, uh, for crossover. But what do you think uh, when you observe people who are in traditionally creative industries or, mm. or think of themselves as creatives, not even artists, just people who do have a creative modality as the driver yep. for their career? Yeah. What, what's one of the, the biggest gaps in, in process that you could recommend as a learning from, from the business community? So I, I think, and, and I, I, I did obviously give me a chance to ponder on this question, and I actually ironically sat down with my business Manager Lucy and I said, it's actually a really, really good topic because probably I, I get to see two sides of it. I get to see one, um, all of our amazing members, you know, Elevate and Accelerate program and, you know, the, the, you know six, seven, eight-figure business owners um, that do have a – a lot of them have a creative element to their business. Some are very traditional, you know, accountants, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers, but, but the ones that have flourished – and have gone, you know, and, 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 and elevated themselves, have added some portion of, of creativity. But one of the question, one of the sort of things I, I, I journaled on yesterday was around the sustainability for creative businesses. So one of the things that's broken my heart over the years is I get these amazing people, e.g. like similar to you that I, I knew all my life and I know them as the creative, whether they are the painter or whether they are the filmmaker or whatever whatever it may be. The graphic designer. Graphic or, designer. Yeah. But, but, but that's another prime example. Florist, like, you know. I've had people come through that were graphic designers here at the Entourage. They were a one-man show. 
Uh, we've seen them over a two, three year period, you know, 12, 24, 36 month period, expand to 10, 15 people. And what, what we talk about at the entourage, it's our symbol back there, which is the entrepreneurial hierarchy. So getting yourself out of technician mode, moving into manager mode, moving into leader mode, then moving into entrepreneur mode. And we see, especially with the creatives, that, uh, and people that have creative modalities in their business, that a lot of the ones, even when they get to uh, 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 entrepreneurial leader mode, they actually love spending still 10, 20, 30% of their time in technician mode because they love getting out there with the camera. They love getting out there, you know, with the, with the paintings. They love going to the, to the florist, um, to the wholesale markets in the morning and buying the actual, you know, flowers. Like they still enjoy that. So they want to do it five, six, seven days a week at three o'clock in the morning. No, they don't want to. And they, and they, they shouldn't have to do that anymore if they built a good sustainable business, right? But it's like, and this is where the difference is. It's like, this is my challenge sometimes with more creative-based businesses. They get so bogged down and so caught up being a technician, they, they, they don't elevate themselves into manager, leader, and entrepreneur. And two things upsets me about that. One is that they end up a lot of the time at some point resenting it because they're like, oh, I feel like I'm always working and, you know, the thing that I fell in love with as a, as a kid or the thing I fell in love with at uni and, you know, I went and studied and I, I started doing it, I loved doing it. Now I'm doing it because I need it. Now I'm married and I've got kids and I've got financial responsibilities. So now I have to do it to make money. But the challenge is, is that they're not making money uh, in a sustainable way. And the challenge is, is that they're getting their heart broken and they're losing the romance for their business, right? Which is something I've really, really tried to maintain with especially the creators that we work with. Is like, let's get you more doing more of what you love, right? So from a sustainability point of view, you know, you need to, as a creative, start looking at what we call the six elements of the entourage. So what is your marketing strategy around your product or service? What is your sales process? You know, a lot of, a lot of creatives go, oh, I'm not good at the sales stuff. You don't need to be good at sales stuff, but people need to be able to buy your shit. Otherwise, you're not going to be in business for much longer, right? So, you know, what is your sales strategy? What is your product slash service, which is really, really important as well? Um, what are your, what's your operations? Like, you know, you may, you may not have an overly intricate business, but operationally, if you did take a holiday, could people still buy your product or service? If not, then operationally, the business is, is you know, has a weakness there. Um, the fifth is financial management. That's the other challenge I see these people that are so excited about the product or service they create, but they haven't done a budget. They haven't done any forecasts. They're like, but I don't want to ring people and make sales. I'm like, well, unless you make sales, you can't keep doing the thing that you love doing, right? So you need to find the balance between the two. And if you set up a good system in place and a good call to action, people will then find the solution themselves a lot of the time too. And then last but not least, the other thing that breaks my heart is that a lot of creatives stay sole traders for a very, very long time, right? So it's like my, my friend who was a graphic designer, like he was a one-man show for a very long time. And it's like then he finally took, you know, convinced him to get out of his garage, go take some space in a creative hub down in Melbourne, took the space in the creative hub, went from one person to four people in a little, you know, little semi-permanent room in one of those creative hubs in Northgood or whatever it is. Then... Now he's got like 10, 15 people, some are subcontractors, some are overseas, um, but he can go work from Bali now, so he can still be that amazing creative. He can go sit in a villa in Bali for a month and run a sustainable business. So I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to go back to, because I agree, I, this is all so dynamo and it's so, it's so essential to your first major point around those six key areas, and it's really helpful that the entourage does actually break down your business into those six areas because it just allow, not only does it allow you to know where your biggest areas of growth or or your biggest lackings might be so you could really focus on 
your like knowing what your product is or mm. for example your financials if that's an area that that's lacking but most importantly as a solopreneur if you're the if you're the if you're the person who's the only one in your business is you you need to ultimately divide your time and mm. and even Cross your week into those six areas mm. so i've got a i've got a friend who actually really blew my mind apart and changed the way that i worked even before i started working with the entourage just by showing me her her diary plan for the week and even just in her Google Google Calendar. She she knows that between the, the second half of the day on Monday is her financials time. Yep. She knows that on the first half of the day on Tuesday it's her um, product time. All day Wednesday is marketing. All day Thursday she's focusing on sales. She's she's she literally understood that as a, as the only person who is accountable for everything you she needed to, to do. Dedicate, dedicate time to those things. Because and this is the problem when you're the when you, when it's just you and you're a little bit stressed and you are not able to, to zoom out and think clearly, mm. you're probably going to lean into the parts that you like the most, which is which is good because True. it's good to be able to lean into a process that supports you as a creative. But you also need to remember that uh, if you have spent all week focused on on product and you're just yeah. making 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 something to sell, but no one's taking care of your your sales and no one's mm. taking care of your um, your marketing. So then it's yeah. you're, you're not setting yourself up for success. It's, uh, before we move on to the next one, I want to just touch on that. That's that is um, so in the business world we call that building your ideal week, guys. Right, and mm. uh, I'm sure if you and I'll, I'll, I'll put my email, um, I'll get Dan to add my email to the bottom of the links and all that. Mm. If you email me and you would like a template for an ideal week. I'm pretty sure we've got one at the entourage, but it, it's it's called an ideal week. You look at the most successful people, they are very disciplined at maintaining that ideal week. Do things come up? Of course they do. But if 80, 90% of the time you can actually, you know, have the discipline to stick to that ideal week, that's your best case scenario. But it's, yeah, ideal week blocking. I used to do it with um, John McGrath many years ago from McGrath's estate agency. He was my, my mentor and my coach many, many years ago. And he, you know, he he swore by it and it just, it works. Right, it's a reality. It works, and even once you start bringing on a team, you might bring on somebody who's going to help you with either sales or marketing. Still, you should be blocking out an hour each week to meet with that person. So, yes, they're they're going to be your champion with regard to you know that that element of the business. But at the same time, you should be dedicating some time, energy, and effort to working with that person and creating it and fostering a great environment for them. And and it's good for you as well to know because if you are the number one executor and a job comes in and you have to sprint to make the most of that, that earning potential, yeah. you then need to make sure that when your time does open up again, or if you are needing to catch up on the weekends, you know what slabs of, of time you need to then focus your attention on because you haven't been able to tap into your sales funnel that week or your finances mm. that week. So it just allows mm. you to, it's checks and balances for your own energy, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah. Um, so... Look, the other couple of points I had, and then I think I'll throw it back to you as well, Dan. Because oh, I, do you want to do you want to do, do you want to go one for one? Let's go for one for one. Great. Right, so, great, so great. I think I think you tell us. Um, I think where, where where I think you can add some value as well is or add value for people that are listening at my end, and certainly you know add value to the people at the entourage and so forth. Is like how do we introduce and bring creativity into the business process? Right, and so, and, and probably what I'd love to hear from you is two sides of it. one is the pragmatic side of it, as in like, you know, um, yes, we're an entrepreneurial education business, but you know, cre creativity, creativity, and creatively, 
Tankusta, creativity and creativity need to be something that we're always trying to trying something new. Like, you know, we need to do that as a business. So one, how are you seeing that with businesses right now? Two, mm-hmm. the other thing is the benefits of doing it as a human being. I think there's, a, oh. you know, there's a lot of, like, I think, I think as we get older now, for those of you who don't know, I've got a beautiful 22 month old son and my, one of my favorite things, Dan, I thought of you the other day, Dan, I went to Bondi Junction and there's this thing I pay for 50 bucks a week and we go and get to, you know, throw glitter around and finger paint and, and draw on like stuff. Him. And the, 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 the lady next to me, she's like, I think you're having more fun than your son. And I'm like, I think I am. Like, I'm like, this is, this is good business. Like adults. To go and do this, right? It was therapeutic. I had my phone switched off for an hour. Didn't even look at it. I'm walking around with my son. I'm finger painting. I'm bloody throwing glitter around. I, I, I ended up getting home and I, I think I jumped on a Zoom and uh, and Keneal came out and she's like, you realise you've got glitter all over you? And I'm like, yeah, getting ready for Mardi Gras. It's fantastic. You, you, you raise a really interesting point and I'll speak to that uh, briefly, which is, isn't it funny that when you have children, you actually have a reason to make time for play and to make time for spaciousness. And the reason why people find, one of the many reasons why people find having kids so rewarding is because they actually get a chance to speak to their own inner child, which Mm. has probably been suffocated and a little bit ignored for the past 30, 40 years since they actually listened to these impulses to give themselves a meditative practice around play. And fortunately, the children give us an opportunity to do that. So if... Oh, I don't know whether I've lost you, Morello. Can you hear on, me okay? On, no, you're, on, you're on here, yeah, you're back, yep. Great. And so I, I think that's it's so valuable, isn't it, that even if you don't have kids, you actually really need to prioritize the time mm. for creative exploration. And I'll go into the reasons why in a moment, but one of the things I'd love to, I'd love to flag as a way to, what am I really talking about when I talk about creativity as a driver for transformation? Yep. And the number one thing that I really love to spell out when entering a room full of reluctant corporates when talking about the value of of investing in creativity is that I don't mean artistic expression necessarily. As a matter of fact, Mm. artistic expression is but a small part of what creativity is and how it really shows up as a tool for transformation. What I really mean, and if you were to bring it down to brass tacks as, as what creativity really is, it is factually just the ability to see the connection between two seemingly disparate things. Yeah. And if you if you use that framework as as a as a a, a guide to see how creativity can show up in every part of your life. It, it really unlocks potential for innovation. And we are, actually, innovation is a great buzzword that's come up in the last decade or so as being something that businesses undeniably need to invest in. But mm. similarly, every couple of years, they might say, now it's all about curiosity or now it's all about passion mm. or no, it's not about passion anymore. It's about purpose. But one thing that I undeniably feel that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of years is 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 businesses really embracing creativity as as something that they need to prioritize and invest in mm. to speak to all these outcomes that are already undeniably important for example there's there there are undeniably budgets within organizations to foster mental health awareness but yes. what is what what is mental health if not spiritual health emotional mm. health physical health how could you have mental health if you don't have those three things in check and yeah. how do you speak to that in a work context, someone's emotional and, and spiritual sensibility as far as how they communicate with other human beings yeah. without tapping into creativity as a driver for that. So one of, the thing, one of the things that I love to really illustrate when I'm talking about creativity is how it can be universally relevant across all these areas is when you're thinking creatively, and, and it's less creativity as, as we've 
been led to believe it in the artistic sense. It's really more creative uh, uh, emotional intelligence or creative, uh, creative IQ. Yeah. And when you're tapping into creativity as a framework, I think of it as being when you're equilaterally engaging what your, your thoughts and your actions, but more importantly, at the top of the pyramid would be your intention. Yep. And if you think of it like this, this pyramid or this triangle of thought, action, and intention, the world is full of examples of people who are engaging thoughts and actions without intention. We can actually see how, how diseased the world is because there's lots of people using their brains and making actions with intellect, but no, no real wisdom. Yep. And I think that, that if you, the moment you start applying a focus around the importance of, of intention alongside your thought and action, to me, that, that triangle is a nice framework to apply to any part of your, your life, your career, your work, to have uh, even even, even your relationships, right? Yeah. So it's like... You're absolutely. Because yeah. creativity, as far as, as allowing a human to be, uh, you know, well-tended to, to show up and speak communicatively to mm. someone in a relationship about something that they're interested in and turned on by and passionate about cuts through the bullshit to something that feels human and real. True. And, and, and one of the, what I was going to say is one of the, the most essential uh, takeaways that I'd love people to, to understand who haven't previously considered it is, is creativity as a, a tool for self-care because, yep. and I like to say, if you were to, some people wouldn't make time for creativity because they would say, well, I'm not going to go and quit my job to become a painter, or I'm not going to quit my job to go and play with glitter or play with children, mm. or I'm not going to quit my job to become, uh, you know, a, we, um, we, a musician. We'd all love to, to the honest truth. But, 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 would love but actually, but, but maybe not because, you know, making money from your from your hobby and something that you love puts pressure on it and makes it stressful. It does. So, That's so, but, but in the same way that people would say, well, I'm not going to quit my job to become a musician, so why would I learn an instrument? I would simil similarly counter that by saying, well, you don't have to quit your job to become a full-time athlete to benefit from exercising, you know? It's a great you don't analogy. Have to, you don't have to quit your job in order to become a yogi full-time to benefit from going to a yoga class. Yeah. So why don't you take the energy that you cultivate by investing an hour of your time around your nine to five that then allows you to turn up tomorrow with more energy because you mm. listen to this part of yourself that is that has been under undertended to, you know? <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a word that comes to mind as, you, as you're talking, and I often speak about it from the stage around what I call nourishment, right? So I go, like, how are you nourishing yourself? And, and you, before you, you framed it beautifully, like mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, right? So like... I think a lot of the time people, when, when you say things like spiritual, they go, oh, but I don't go to church. And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm talking about, right? So I'm talking about utilizing your connection to the universe or to God or to Allah or to Buddha, whoever it is that you, you, you cheer for. But like your connection with them can be something that can be done through creativity. And that's, that could be your way that you nourish yourself. You don't, you don't need to go to church on a Sunday to feel spiritually nourished. Like, like and, I, and I, look, know, I know a lot of guys who go to church on a Sunday that are not nourished at all. They're terrible guys, but they go to and, church you know, and they make up for it, you know? Every single time you think something terrible is going to ha has happened, oh, my gosh, my, my, I hope my, my kid hasn't come home for six hours. I hope they're okay. You know, I'm, I'm buying a lotto ticket. I, I can imagine I mean, that the moment you're connecting something that you're thinking about, something that you're doing and your intention, you are engaging in, in some form of spiritual practice because you are hoping for something outside Correct. of you and speaking to a, a, the manifestation of something that has meaning and desire and intention for you. And so you don't need to be on bended knee in yeah. a, 
in a freezing cold church on a Sunday morning in, or, in order to be activating a part of yourself that is beyond the four walls of your human body. Well, one, one might say we went to church every Sunday for the church was called. I the was, and let me tell you, I, I've been caught on bended knee at that at, in, in, in that church a couple of times. Um, I, 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 so I, I really wanted to, to, my number one point is, is creativity as a self-care and a well-being practice, because yes. I know that if you well, were what, to what be that, feeling. What was that, just reiterate for everyone as well, what was that, that triangle that you talked about? The triangle. Was on the top, but what was the Okay, bottom? yeah. It, it, and it, the, the easiest way to remember it is is actually kind of mind, body, spirit. You know, it's yep. it's mind. What are you thinking about? What where yes. are your thoughts going? And more importantly, what do you want? You know, what is what's the desire telling you that you want to achieve? Action is basically what are you doing to get what you want? Where, where are you? Where what your thoughts are leading you towards an action and some sort of some sort of physical embodiment of the thinking of the of the desire, right? Yep. So you've got thought and you've got action. But we all know what the world full of only thought and action looks like. It's, yes. it's sort of the state of the world as we speak, where people are really, uh, there's lots of desire, but there's not really much intention setting around around what they truly want to achieve through the pursuit of that desire. So yep. by tempering your thoughts and your actions with intention, and intention allows you to align kind of with your your, your pre-visualization, your, your manifestation, your ability to think about the, the higher purpose for the reason why yep. you want the thing. And so if, if I, I, I love to just remind people if you're, because I mean, you know, yoga is a really beautiful example. The, the word yoga is Sanskrit for union. And what you're ultimately doing when you're, enga- yeah, what you're ultimately doing when you're engaging in yoga and yoga can be, yoga is not just asana poses, yoga can be even in the act of cleaning, you can be engaging in yoga and, and yoga basically this, means... This is a concept that I, I've recently started um, looking into a lot more. So um, for those of you who are listening to this and, and want something pretty easy going to roll into and a really good bridging gap between the East and the West, um, there's a, a podcast I listen to called Here and Now by Ramdas. Have you listened to some of it? Oh, okay. I haven't heard his podcast, but I love Ramdas. I love Ram. We listen to his podcast. So they, what they've gone is, they, and, and I'll pre-warn for the more conservative listener of this podcast. Like, I don't know what you're doing listening to Dan Brophy and Andrew Morell if you are conservative, but but if for the more conservative um, listener, if you are going to go check out uh, Here and Now by Ram Dass on on uh, Spotify or whatever podcast um, thing you listen to it on, um, there are some pretty out there stuff. It was a you know he was a Harvard lecturer in the '60s and '70s that basically got expelled from Harvard for for being for for doing experiments with uh, LSD and psychedelics right which ironically was actually you know the whole movement was happening back then and you talk about creativity it's like that was the whole idea of it. like he's, a, he's an academic by trade Ram Dass was and then he basically experimented Harvard kicked him out then he went to India and he found himself and then what he found his calling was was to bring the, the east back to the west and, and, and make it palatable, right? So prior to that, people would bring out these yogis from, you know, from India and people would think, oh, it's too much. I can't I can't try any, you know, and the, and the concept that you're talking about that Ramdas talks about, um, Dan, is called Dharma Yoga. So it's like he talk, they talk about, you know, your, your yoga doesn't necessarily have to be you doing poses. It could be washing the dishes. It could be changing your son's nappies. It could be and, and finding joy and romance and beauty in the intricacies of that small thing that you're doing at the time. And it's a form of yoga. And and, and the way to know that you're engaging in the form of yoga is yoga is, an, is almost 
very well, I actually was take I took inspiration from my understanding because I've done yoga for 20 years and I had a lot, had a lot of time for my mind to wander on the map Matt and I, I recognized that that equilateral triangle of in, in order to be engaged in yoga yoga being Sanskrit for union is about trying to form connection between three things what your brain is doing what your body is doing and what your breath is doing yeah so if you if you can unite these three things, brain, body, and breath, or, uh, you know, in a sense, mind, body, spirit as well, that, yep. that, that pull, equal pull in three directions can be applied to a state of presence that you can bring to everything mm. from cleaning to asana poses. So yep. similarly, I thought, okay, well, if, how can you universally explain creativity as something that can be applied to cleaning or poses or, you know, anything that is, if, if I think, if I'm truly believing that creativity is so universal and this is the, the church that I'm preaching from, what, what is my formula for being able to know that you're engaged in that practice? And I truly believe that the moment you combine thought, action, and intention, you're yep. engaged in creativity. Yep, and, and, and I know that you can apply that to your conversations, to your problem solving, to how you want to grow your business, to how you want to have a better relationship. Because if you're, as long as you're bringing intention for the reality mm. that you want to bring into existence for something that doesn't already exist, and you're aligning how you're thinking and how you're acting, that to me is, is undeniably a framework that it means that you're engaging in in uh, in creativity, in creative in creative emotional intelligent thinking. And, and and that I think that intention is the crucial point, right? So it's like you know if you if you're going if you if you're doing you know things like for the you know, you know people go you know they might off the back of this get a, a spark of inspiration and, and and go and do something a little bit more creative or try and bring creativity into their life. Right? But I, and I say to people like if you're going to go try something. Have, a, have some sort of intention with it, right? Like, you know, don't don't overthink it. Don't try and yeah. don't hold yourself back. But And, but, and your, your intention can be to switch off. Your intention can Correct. be to have... To have a to have space with your inner child, yeah. your intention can be to not think about work for an hour. You know yeah. that's a beautiful intention in which to marry action and thought. And so, uh, yeah, I I, um, I I feel like just knowing that you can lean into creative creative play and creative exploration as mm -hmm. as a way to take care of your human, so that you can show up to your nine to five with more energy and more problem solving capability. Yep. To me, I feel like that's that's a worthwhile use of your time. Massively. Massively, right? Mm. And it's like, you know, I, I would even argue having a, you know, a 22-month-old son, and, and I think we might have a little special guest appearance for the uh, for the end of the podcast, so I can hear him running around the office out there. But he, um, the other thing it's forced me to do is, is practice some present moment awareness, Dan, right? So it's like, mm. you know, when in my life would I have put my phone away and just walked around and played with glitter and, you know, finger painted and all that sort of just so so you know you don't need by the way i'm not advocating everyone needs to go out and have a baby but i think what what lion has actually taught me my main's taught me is is to practice more present moment awareness in the businesses that i'm doing that i that i'm you know an investor in practice more present moment awareness with you know the people that i'm helping through those businesses right so it's like all of a sudden you know that dharma yoga that I'm getting from having my child with me now, um, is, is feeding into everything else that I do in, in my life. And it's like, and, and I, to some respects, I think, and, and I've seen this with, with as kids get older, like, and I've seen other business owners that have got kids that are, you know, in their, whatever, they're turning six or seven or 10, and you're like, oh, where did you get that? You'll see them you know, come up with some great idea in the boardroom, and you'll be like, where did that come from? They're like, actually, from my 10-year-old child, because see, the, the funny thing is, 
And this is where I think the challenge is as human beings and as business people is sometimes I feel like we need to transport ourselves back to that inner child in order to actually troubleshoot some real quality, you know, quality ideas, bring creativity in. Like I remember even in the boardroom, you know, with, with Yellow Brick Road, um, I, I'm not academically educated in, in finances, right? But, I, you know, I won the apprentice, so basically I got to skip doing the, uh, the degree and got to go sit in boardrooms. And I think because I didn't go to university and study finances, they would go, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to put this product together. We're trying to, you know, how do we best pitch it to a mum and dad in the burbs, you know, for them to take this, you know, this homeland product or this um, whatever it might be. And it's interesting because because I wasn't infected with the institutionalization of of the, the way things are done. Correct, correct. And mm. I'd be like, why can't we do it that way? And like, but, be like, but it's not done that way. But I was like, why can't we do it that way? And it's like yeah. there was my creativity that I'd grown up, you know, you know, as, as we know, as we make jokes about it, but you know, running parties and and youth events and and you know, private functions and and and, and going to nightclubs and, and my family's still in the industry down in Melbourne. But it's interesting. I've been able to take the parts that I, I did back then from there and then involve it in. I'm like, why can't we make a particular product an adventure for the people? Why can't we launch this with a proper launch and make it exciting? And people are like, well, it's just not normally done like that. I'm like, why can't we do it? You can't do and, it. And, and, and you, sometimes it takes someone to be outside the box to, to do that. Well, you mentioned that the, uh, the reason why I feel like having engaging with a, a sense of play that children facilitate is you're in a flow state when you're engaging with someone with a human being that's 100% present because because a child is not necessarily thinking anxiety about what they did or didn't mm. do in the past they're not like a anxiety around what they have to do tomorrow a child is 100% present in mm. that moment that the toy or the game or the thing that they're engaging with the present moment is all that exists yeah. and the only way to engage your brain in a flow state is to be completely engaged with the Immersed. present moment mm. so no wonder amazing ideas would come to someone when they're when they're engaged in a sense of play mm. because they're not ha hampered by the baggage of the, f the future and the past and you know if you want to change the business change the human being at the center of the business yeah and, yeah. and that that's that's the key to transformation then when you go and do work with corporates right and you said you, you said said that uh, and you've told me this before you know when we were over a glass of wine at bondi you were saying that sometimes you go there and you know the corporates will give you some resistance initially right until they sort oh, of yeah. start to open up and, and, so, I, and i go i go oh challenge, oh, challenge oh. Wait for it accept it there we go that's what we do right so but like talk us through that like i think because People that will be listening to this, maybe from my end, might be a business owner, they might be a, an executive in, in a larger organization, like from yeah. a pragmatic, practical application well, point of view. I, like, have, I have absolute empathy for people in that situation who are metaphorically crossing their arms when listening to me within the first 30 seconds of walking in the room before I charm the pants off them, is because I had the very same resistance to the equal idea presented to me because my ego had identified with the idea of I'm a creative, therefore, if you're saying you need to learn this framework or this modality that is completely in contrast with what you think you are, instantly you're asking me to not only listen to what you're saying, but to change who I think I am. And mm. the idea of, of my ego having to re-establish the boundaries of how I think of my human, that, that is a lot to ask someone to do. And mm. I'll tell you the reason where it comes, one of the key reasons where it comes from is, and the resistance that I would otherwise face 
you know, immediately when walking in the, into those spaces is because due to the, the university industrial complex that undeniably values academia over creativity, mm. from the time you're a child, ev with every passing year that you get towards graduating high school, you're, you are categorized, not only are, are you into, are you academic or are you creative, but even within creativity, uh, a kinetic creativity like dance is always going to be valued less for some bizarre reason than a more intellectual creativity like composing music. So even within categorizing kids, we give them lower scores when they gra graduate high school based on whether they do Latin, politics, maths, dance, mm. theater studies, music. And so by the time you're working out what your value to society is and how you can be a good your, human your and a good provider for your family, you have, yeah, you have been conditioned to devalue a very innate part of your humanity that when someone mm. then says, mm. hey, you should take this on board as something that will change, that will potentially allow you to change your life. I, it reminds me of actually when I was in uh, year 10 or 11, uh, I, I was doing a lot of school plays and there was a, a really good friend of mine that was that really excited to do a play alongside me. And he came to school one day really downhearted and, and said, oh, my parents won't let me. And I, I, I was thinking, mm. I'd never even understood, like, how could your parents not let you want to engage in something mm. that you love? Because I was so blessed to have parents that really just supported passion Likewise. as the driver for everything Likewise. you do. Dan, I was, I was in uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I was in the Rockets. You remember the Rockets, Stephanie, Danny Melvin? Absolutely. What school did you go to again? To Xavier. What school did you go to again? Not to have two Melbourne a conversation. You there? You there, Dan? Oh, oh yeah, you, you cut out. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. What school? What school did you go to again? It, 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 it was Xavier. Oh, Xavier. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so yeah. look, and, and you know, I'm not obviously Xavier's a very good school, but like, here's yeah, a prime example. Conservative, right? like, parents, Jesuit, all correct. boys, parents, parents traditional. Are all this money, and I think. I think I'm not sending my kid there to go, you know, to go learn music because I'm sending him there to, yeah, you know, to become yes. a doctor, how, a lawyer, or an academic. However, if that same kid turned around and said, I'm going to try to get to the first footy team, he would have had all the support for some reason. And don't even get me started on that discrepancy. And so, I I, but I think, but, but also if your kids love sport, good, more power to them. But if your kids love creative expression, I, yeah. I think that, that it's just the part of the rounded, the creating a well-rounded human being that, that the child should be cultivated in a way that fosters passion well, look, as a driver. Look, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't move into the, the creative arts as, as a, you know, like you did and go and do film school and so forth. But in high school, I did musicals. I did, you know, the Rock of Stepford, so I did dancing concerts. For those of you who don't know Rock of Stepford, it's like all the schools, um, the whole school gets together and, and does like a dance performance. It's a Victorian thing. I think they call it something different in New South Wales. Um, I also did it because I went to an all-boys school. It was a great way to meet girls back then. So, like, we were the only all-boys school, St. Bernard's in Essendon. So we got to do, like, the, the school musical every year with Ave Maria or Lather Hall or St. Columbus. I'm like, I used to go to the guys, and a couple of boys would be like, man, what are you in the school play for? And I'm like, and then they, they come to, like, one of the rehearsals, like, oh, this is why you're in the school ah. play. It's not the main reason, but it doesn't hurt. I can show you that can You need to hang out Whatever with the girls. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, you know. That didn't go astray. But, mm. um, but from a, from a, a Casey Point point of view, I had very supportive parents yes. about, like, I wanted to be in plays. Yes, I wanted to be in, in uh, you know, I wanted to sing and, and dance. Yep, great, great, great. And I think it gave me the confidence to then get on stage and be a business presenter, right? So it's like people and, go, and oh, did you, did you learn how to be a, a professional speaker? 
Yeah, you, 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 you'll never not need the skills that you develop in really surprising places as you are, uh, you know, it, it, you're a testament to because you, uh, it's one thing to be able to have, a, a, you know, more traditional academic skills. It's another thing altogether to be able to find a humane, human-oriented way to be able to relay that information to other people so that it becomes uh, it becomes uh, it, it's, it's leadership skills, it's personal development. Um, Oh, I think you dropped out again. I think we're back. But but just to finish up, just to finish that point, the, the, I don't uh, begrudge anyone's resistance who, having come from a traditionally academic background, to be presented with this the notion of creativity as a tool that they need to then onboard. But I do understand that the way to package it so that they have openness to receiving it as a, as a tool that is worth their learning is is by speaking to the what's in it for me and i think so many of the ways in which i'm i'm talking mm. to you today uh, it's undeniably valuable to uh, anyone in business let alone an entrepreneur to be in, in investing time in cultivating this part of their 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 this yep. skill set because it's uh it's um because that, and that and actually that leads me to an, another one of my my points. I, I know we we're going to go one for one, but I'm, I'm, I may as well just, just to, to drive towards it, which is creativity as a problem-solving skill is as yes. essential for a CEO as it is for someone who's in an executional space or, or a creative director. And I and I'm now seeing data that backs this up in terms of international studies. For example, IBM surveyed over 1,500 CEOs from over 33 countries. And the yep. number one value that was deemed uh, the, the most valuable skill set to future-proof you in business is creative problem solving. Because yep. basically, if your job can be done by a robot, the only way to future-proof your career is by bringing this truly human value of creativity to the table as a problem-solving device. Similarly, Adobe also uh, surveyed all of their all of their staff from uh, internationally, and they over five thousand workers, and they found out that those with the biggest upswing in their earning potential within Adobe for the past five years identified creativity as one of their key values. So, yep. if you're going to make yourself undeniable as someone who is multifaceted beyond executing a single skill. Creativity is a framework that allows you to apply the thing that you do better than anyone else to the other parts of the machine so that innovation mm -hmm. gets baked into your your ideation and your problem solving. Well, the, the, it, gets, it gets baked into the DNA and the fabric of the business, right? So, so you know, like more and more we're seeing sort of larger organisations when they do their vision, mission and values hold as one of their core fundamental values now as creativity, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, when they, so like, and at the entourage, we hire, fire, reprimand, promote people based on our core values, right? So, you know, we, we, you know, a prime example, so, you know, we call it, we say education matters is one of our um, main values. Like we're a business education business at the end of the day. So obviously, and we're helping other businesses through educating them and giving them skill sets and so forth. So it's important for the individuals that are, you know, within these walls and these two floors in, in Sydney uh, to actually engage in those core values. And like creativity is a massive part of um, our way of doing things. Like even even from a, a sales point of view, like, you know, we, we will often sit in the boardroom and have robust um, intellectual debates around, like, you know, how to present something to people. What Like, even down to, like, you know, your call to action when you're in business, 
And that feeds back into what one of my um, final points was going to be was around like when when I do get when we do get a chance to work with creatives, sometimes they do such amazing work, but they're no good at asking for the business. And like I and I you know I said to someone the other day who who does signage, I'm like, you realise that you've gone and pitched for this business, they can basically just go and copy and like. You, 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 and he goes, I don't want to be a salesman. I don't want to be pushy. And I said, but you've already given them the solution, right? So it's like mm. your, your your intellectual property is now you've given them all the ideas that they need. Now they can go and shop that out to people where you need to value your intellectual property. You need to value your creativity and, and, and ask for the business, number one. Number two, value it. You know, the other thing I, I mm. see with a lot of creatives is they undervalue their service. And, and they go to me, oh, but I'm so busy, I've got a full book. And I said, you know what a full book also means? If you've got a full book, it means you're too cheap. That's the other thing too. It's like, you know, there's a salad place I go to across the road every day, right? So stock marketing in, in Ryan's, right, in, underneath next to the Ryan's bar. And it's interesting, like, there's always a line literally pumping and heaving down the street, right? And it's like, I said to the owner, you're obviously too cheap. If you're basically got a line literally out the door and it's the only place it's got, they've actually cracked it that much now. They've made the company go and get um, barriers and put people up. And I'm like, bro, put your prices up by a dollar, put them up by $2, right? So it's like I find with creatives, a lot of the time, they undervalue their service or product. They go, oh, but I don't know if someone will like it. And I, and I gave you the real-life example where my mate who's an artist, he's a photographer and a, and a painter, and he runs events as well. And he, he basically, to launch his new catalog of, of paintings, he put on this event, spent a fortune, caviar, drinks, the whole lot. It was, it was great. It was a beautiful, amazing event. And I, um, I said, when I got there, I had a couple of whiskeys with him. And I said, bro, why don't we auction off some of your paintings? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, people, what if they don't buy them? Right, right. I said, mate, what have we got to lose? I said, what, what, you know, from a financial point of view, what are these paintings cost, costed you? He goes, well, look, minus my time of photography and, and so forth, but he goes, from a, a financial point of view, then it's it's really not that much. So I said, so if we make them unreserved, let's see how they go. And well, we've ended up selling two paintings, and those two paintings end up selling for like five grand each, right? And it, that basically paid for his night. Now, He's being proactive and he's going to run another event and we're going to proactively go and sell those paintings and create and foster an environment. But being that creative, he sometimes, first of all, didn't feel that he was worthy. So that's the bit of advice I've got for some people people that are listening as well. Like, first of all, you've got to believe in yourself, right? You've got to love your product. You've got to love your service. You've got to believe in yourself. So it comes from self-belief first. Second of all, you need to put it into some sort of a product or a service or package it up and so forth. And then last of all, you need to have a call to action, right? I'm not asking you to be a salesman. I'm not asking you to be a saleswoman. I'm not asking you to try and flog all your products and services and so forth. But don't have a meeting with somebody about the amazing service you can provide, whether that's, you know, videography, whether that's, you know, floristry, whether that's, you know, you, you, you're a wedding planner. Don't get to the end of the meeting and say, thanks a lot. I'll let you have a think about it. Get to the end of the meeting and ask for the business. You know, did you like what I went through with you today? Actually, I really did, Dan. Well, what's our best next step? 
Let's book in that best next step. You understand if you're going to be getting married, you want to go away and discuss it with your future husband or your future wife, great. But let's book in, you know, three weeks' time, jump on Zoom for 20 minutes. You might have looked at some other ideas since then. You might come back to me with some more ideas. I might have some more ideas for you, being, you you know, the creative person I am. Like, I'll let me go away, but let's book something in and make sure we have that discussion together. So these are some really practical things you can apply into the business. That's a, that really leads into my third point beautifully because my third point was for the, 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 one of the, 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 the third most important thing you need to know in business when it comes to your creativity is you already know more than you think and you probably already have amazing skills that you've developed in more traditional business areas that you can use as frameworks to mm. foster and cultivate your creative thinking, thought uh, problem solving and the part of you that will show up with more creativity to your job by doing it as a, as a form of play or experimentation outside of your job. So similarly with what you're describing for people who are in more traditional creative industries, mm. in order for you to be able to deliver on this thing that you care about, you had to have some element of creative problem solving to be able to work out what's the structure of my floristry business? Mm. How big are my bouquets? How am I bringing in fresh flowers at the right time to make sure I'm getting them to people? You know, this. there are problem-solving tools that in, in marketing, in music, in any form of creative expression as a, as a traditional creative that you've had to apply in order to just do the thing that you love at all. Yeah. So why don't you look at the skills that you already have as within the thing that you love to do mm. and use that as a framework to then put around other parts of your business and go, mm. okay, I solved the problem around getting the flowers fresh on a Thursday morning at 3 a.m. in terms of how that machinery, I built some machinery there that I can plug my energy into so that I'm not mm. wasting my time and my resources. Why don't I put the same amount of time aside and do some creative machinery building around my marketing, around yeah. my sales strategy, Correct. around the, the script that when I walk in to have a meeting with someone that I know at this point, I'm going to mention this. And at the, as, and before I leave the meeting, I'm going to offer them this. Like yeah. it's just creative problem solving. But similarly, when you're in a traditional non-creative industry, even your ability to be able to create workflows and structure and spreadsheets, mm. that is a way to manage allotments of, of, of energy or allotments yeah. of, of resource. When you are looking at how to divide your time up on the weekends, bring some of those strategies that you use so well in business to your creativity and go, great, I'm going to invest some resource, my time, by going to the gallery to look at, to invest in my brain in in putting creative inspiration. And then I'm going to take that creative inspiration and I'm going to go to an art supply store and I'm going to, and I'm being very traditional with what, how creativity is. No, but this is just an example, yeah. Yeah. But but it's basically use it, you create machinery that means that you don't have to feel overwhelmed by this entirely new task set and cross pollinate one side of your mm. your experience with this new side of your experience that you're looking to to have more transformation and more movement within. Yeah, I want to I want to reiterate something you, you said at the beginning of of that that little segment there, in which was you said. Um, I think it's like trust yourself. You know more than you think. You know more than you think you do. Yeah. yeah. You- so he, here's the other thing, right? He's and, and, and Mark Boris taught me this. She was good. So I, I never went and got my um, RG146 or my diploma in lending or anything like that. But I, I would coach guys that, that would go and get it. So I'd coach them on, you know, relationship building. And I, I've sat in, let's call it a thousand you know, home loan meetings with, with mums and dads or, or, or borrowers and, and or husbands and husbands or, you know, wives and wives and girlfriends and girlfriends. So I've seen everything, right? I've been into a thousand lounge rooms with, with guys that owned Yellow Brick Roads. 
And it was funny, when I had a guy who was the butcher baker candlestick maker who mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and finally physically decided he was going to become a mortgage broker, I said, the irony is, and this was the biggest thing holding them back most of the time, I said, the irony is, is that the person on the other side of the lounge room knows less than you do. Like, yes, you've only just finished your course two weeks ago. Yes, you've just gone through an induction program. But ironically, you do actually know more than them. I'm telling you to lie to them, but you need to believe in yourself there, right? And then there's an element of creativity was needed there. Like, you're going into people's lounge rooms. Every lounge room is different. Every scenario is different. Every personal personal situation of that couple or that their family is different, right? So if you go into very 2D in your thinking, and you don't take elements of creative problem solving, you don't take elements of, you know, thinking outside the box, like, you'd probably never get a loan for it. That's the truth, right? Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's storytelling. It's engaging in the humanity of the person that you're speaking to. It's cultivating their energy through, you know, harnessing their enthusiasm and getting them convinced with your, your sales process. You know, these are all creative ideas that are coming to life in a really traditional space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I think, I think we've, I think we've solved world hunger. I, th- I think we've solved the world's problems, definitely, definitely. So, so a couple of things I'm going to do. One, first of all, I'm going to give people my um, details if they want to have a chat with me, and I'll get you to do the same. So, yes. if anyone wants to have a chat with me, I'm sure Dan will put um, my socials on the bottom. Uh, obviously, feel free to come directly through to the entourage. You can ask them myself. My email address is morello at the dash entourage dot uh, my handles for most things is at Andrew Morello. Uh, I think it's slightly different on Instagram now. I'm not Instagram. Instagram, it's right. I've just gone on to TikTok. So uh, Lucy's oh, been look out. getting me TikToking, correct? So uh, feel free to add me on TikTok as well, guys. Um, but if you're a small business owner or a business owner and you're doing six figures and you want to go to seven or seven figures, you want to go away and you want to have a sit down and have a 20-minute you know, um, obligation for a chat about your business and how you can use creative you know, creative problem solving, creative learning to grow and, and work your way up that entrepreneurial hierarchy that we spoke about earlier. Would love to have a chat with you. Um, and, and Dan, you know, I've, I've absolutely loved this chat. I, I think we should make a regular thing of this. I think we might need to do the next one down at Bondi, though, with some wine. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Correct. People looking for your services, you want to just give us a bit of background? There, yeah, so? it's it's really simple. It's it's uh, danbrophy.com and Dan Brophy on Instagram and Dan Brophy on TikTok. So it's, uh, and really like the the thing that I would encourage people to reach out to me for beyond the traditional uh, strategy-based content marketing solutions that I offer for, for businesses, I, I'm really now uh, so excited to speak to people who have businesses that want to bring creativity as a, a tool for transformation for their teams, for themselves. So uh, uh, from a talks, workshops, immersive experiences, uh, coaching, consulting, um, creativity as a tool is is what the future of, of my company looks like, of Brophy Media. So I'm looking forward to chatting to you if that's something that has that's resonated with you through our chat, because clearly I'm very passionate about it. We can see that. There's not, the, the only person I reckon who gives passion or up for its money is, is the, the, <laughs> the man you make, definitely, definitely. Totally, so, totally. I have one last little surprise for anyone who's watched this or is listening in, uh, if they're listening to it as a podcast or hopefully they're watching it. I have a very, very little special guest. So, Kenny, you give me 12 seconds and I'll go and grab this special guest. Please. Thank you. Please, I actually this talk. This this child is the the baby equivalent of foie gras. This kid is has been massaged, tended to, every nourished, every part of him has been is has been wagyu massaged and tended to and fed of his interest and his intellect and his personality. This 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 
kid is going to take over the world. So I'm so looking forward to uh, you getting a chance to meet the wonder that is Lion Morello. Lion Mane Morello, ladies and gentlemen. Lion Mane Morello! Yes, Hi! As you can see, creativity is something that runs in our family. He would have just finished up at art class today. So did you draw for Papa today? Lion, did you draw for Papa? What did Morello, you are, you sure, are you sure he's yours? He's beautiful. <laughs> Takes after his mother, obviously. Okay, right. Actually, ironically, and maybe I'll send you the photos and you might want to just put them up as a screenshot at the end of the video. Um, I, I took a photo of me as a baby uh, down in Melbourne the other day at my dad's house, and me at that age is identical. Literally, wow. the hair is exactly the same, the smile is exactly the same, and so forth and so forth. Well, well fortunately, Revolver will still be around in 20 years' time, so I'll see him there. Get done. We'll take you to me, and he will go to Revolver. We'll be those weird old guys in the corner. Totally. Of the room. That's what we'll I make. love those weird old guys. Oh, no, that's fine. Good. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. All right, um, Dan, so thank you so much for having me on the show. Big, thank much, you. much appreciated. You know we're big fans of Dan Brophy, so uh, oh, we'll, right uh, we'll definitely see you down at Bondi and we'll have to catch up. We'll bring Lion Mane Morello to come hang out and we'll do, do some creative things together. Please. All right, amazing. Thanks, guys. We'll okay. speak to you soon. Oh, right. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you.